live from the apocalypse, this is State of the Game. And I am your co-host, Dano. My words of wisdom today are the dill triscuits are the best triscuits ever. That is the definitive high mark of triscuits. Fight me on it in the comments. So uh, my co-host every week, a philanthropist, a coach, a lead guitarist, wearer of peacoats, Kate Dickey. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for keeping the peacoat alive. Absolutely. Someone's got it. Yep. We have today joining us from an airport. I believe it's in Arizona. We have Namir Blade trekking through. Are you, what are, up? Are you on the automated uh, moving deal there? Um, automated moving deal? What's that? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm literally walking. Oh, okay. I'm trying I thought to find one of those a, things with the luggage. That's awesome. Y'all wish I was. I'm trying to find a place with a charging port so I could charge this damn phone. <laughs> I hear you. I'm like, I was not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> At least, like, not prepared for my flight to be delayed and shit. I was prepared oh. to do this, but I was supposed to be in LA from a comfortable place now. And now I'm just running around this bitch trying to find a plug. A plug. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Big too. They got me fucked up. I'm gonna body gate. You got it. No, but yeah, what's up with y'all? Y'all good? Oh, I'm I'm excited right. to talk to you. I've during, been doing today. During our mid-year, I said definitively that your new album uh is the most fun album in mellow music history. Oh hell yeah, that's tight. Metropolis is to me the most fun album in the history of Mellow. Uh, it is unbridled joy, especially tracks one through seven. Yeah. One through seven is just, there's nothing like it this year. Oh, yeah. So I'm into it and I just, Really excited to talk to you about it and talk to you about optimization specifically. Mm. The process of optimization. Because you you have an interesting discography. Yeah. From scatterbrain to the to I'm I'm gonna screw it up. Traveling circus, Aphophilion's traveling circus. I'm I'm doing what I can. Um, and then to the Imagine Everything with uh, La Orange to the Trump. Uh, I don't think you have any album in your discography that sounds like another album in your discography. He said that sounds like a what? That sounds like another one of your albums. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that shit is like by design, too. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like if I did have a bunch of albums that sounded the same, people wouldn't fuck with me for real, for real. Or maybe they would, and I just wouldn't fuck with me. <laughs> so it's like, either way, it's just like, I would be very unhappy if I just had projects that sounded similar. Plus, it's just like, I don't know, bro. I just want to, like, explore the, the full range of sound that I can create. And if people want, like, the, the rapidly rap barred up me, 
it's like you can go get that shit from imaginary everything if you want to hear me over like beats that are like heavily sampled that's that's what that's for if you want to hear like some super conceptual experimental space shit it's like then you go to Philion's. and if you just want like a jam then um metropolis and who knows what i'll do next i'll fuck around and do a punk rock album <laughs> yeah no i i i was listening to imagine everything and i kind of thought the soundscape is a little bit pop punk because of the the drums and the guitars and just it is a very uh it's always moving it's very ferocious and it's very yeah very raw so i, I like that uh, yeah but oh yeah Metropolis to me is, is a, it's a, what I call a key album, right? I didn't really understand the mere blade until Metropolis, right? Mm. But once I heard it, it opened the door for everything, right? And now I'm on. Yeah, most definitely. Like I did that, to be real, I did Metropolis. Leave me off. Uh, I did Metropolis just so people would be understanding of me. And to be honest, uh, I did that shit more so to reaffirm people's understanding of me. Because I feel like with Affilions, like, yeah, you got me, but you got, like, one aspect of me primarily. But it's just, like, for you really to understand, like, what I'm here for and what I'm trying to do. And just the pure range of my musicality from production to raps to all of that shit is just, like, Metropolis is the perfect example for that shit. Because I was just, like, fuck doing a concept album and to be real if i did do another concept album i don't think people would really fuck with that shit niggas would be on the internet being like bro get this cornball the fuck out of here like trying like one trick pony ass so it's just like in order to avoid that and like i just didn't really care to do that shit again um i was like i'll loosely base this around an idea and just explore different parts of that idea sonically. Cause I feel like a lot of, and like movies do the same thing where they will, um, like my English teacher, shout out to Miss Sargent. She always told us Hollywood thinks you're stupid. So in movies, they'll literally spell out to you the whole plot, the whole thing. And it's just like, Absolutely. I expect more from my audience than that is. <clears throat> so it's just like, I feel like I can give my audience a concept sonically without having to spell it out thematically through my rap. It's just like, yeah, I have a song called Mephisto, but it doesn't really have anything. Well, I don't really rap anything about Mephisto and the legend of the folklore, but it's just the whole concept around the song, the lyrics that I do use, the beat, the style of rapping that I do, it encapsulates the idea of that. And, um, yeah, so far, like, some people get it, other people don't. Um, some dude is just, like, he he makes no sense with his, with his rap shit. And I was just like, eh, whatever. It's just like, this shit just ain't for you. And you probably have rappers that you listen to just spell out. Like, it's just like, if it's a song about this, they're going to tell you that every five seconds. And it's just like, I'm not that. Like, I don't think my listeners are stupid. I'll never insult my listeners' intelligence. Like feel that shit at the end of the day yeah no yeah i mean 
What, what, what were your thoughts, Kay, on, on the Namir Blade experience diving in? I, I mean, Metropolis, I, I, I told uh, Dan out, I've, I've never heard... I've never heard an album like Metropolis in terms of the, the amount of different styles that you have on it. But the, the distinction is that like, I've heard an album where there's been different styles used, but those, but those styles have been done poorly. You know what I mean? Mm. Your, your album has a lot of different styles, but they're all done adequately and they're all done proficiently in a way which which I like, I've, I've never heard an album like that before. So it's very distinct in that way. Yeah. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. That, that goes into a topic here. Namir, you did an incredible interview on Dad Bod Rap Pod that I love. Um, you broke shit down and you basically said that like, you don't want to be called a rapper. Want to be an artist? Yeah, I, I, I stand. I'm here to double down. Yes and yes. <laughs> and what I did was that that inspired me. I wrote an article, kind of based on this, about a genreless future, right? That. Oh uh, yeah, I read that shit. That shit was ill. I oh, like that article. I didn't know. That's awesome. The yeah, uh, yeah, that was an ill ass article. Yeah, no, it was about like I just I, I'm old, so in my day. You were shopping in CD sections, right? And so I was giving the stink eye to the country guy in the country section, right? And we were divided. Everything was divided out, you know? Right. But the people that I work with that are younger, they're just flipping stuff into playlists. They're listening to everything. Yeah. It's and different. that comes from mixed CDs. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because a lot of us, when we were younger, we had the homie who... Yeah, made mixes. He had access to LimeWire. And if you were an eclectic person like I was, I was just like, hey, yo, put that Green Day with that new 50, slide me some Avril Lavigne in that bitch whenever I get in my feelings, put some Maxwell in that hole too, and end it off with Prince. And it's just like, mm. yeah, like my generation and like maybe a generation above that and a generation under that, like we're we're pretty much like the stalwarts of that because like, especially like being black and listening to hip hop and shit. It's just like, I remember having hella like just wild shit on my, on my, in my CD booklet. And I had to like put all the other shit that wasn't rap kind of like, I used to, I remember I used to take that shit out of my CD booklet and like kind of put it in my book bag because niggas would like be going through your CD booklet trying to figure out what you're <laughs> listening to. And I was just like, y'all niggas ain't finna get me for like this in sync album, this is like y'all niggas don't know this in sync album is fire, absolutely, extremely yeah. fire. But it's just like nah, I'm gonna put the fifty up front. I'm gonna put the DMX up front. I'm gonna put the Ja Rule, the Tupac up front, like the Biggie up front. Like I'm gonna put all of that up front because that's that's what y'all know. And it's just like I'll put the Jaheem in there in case a shorty pick up my book. But other than that, <laughs> it's just like the the Johns that I really fucked with, like super duper deep. Yeah, them shits was like in my backpack most of the time but I feel like everybody kind of went through that and nowadays we're kind of just like fuck it bro like we're trying to blur all the lines because oh, fuck the lines we don't need them it's like all of that shit is music at the end of the day that's it and it's, it's music at the end of the day but 
if you're going to do all these different styles of music, you have to be effective and efficient in doing it, right? Yeah, you got to do your homework. You have to study. You like, and all the genres of music that I've been a part of and that I've actively performed in, I've always made it a point to do my homework. I find out who who were the founders of the genre, who were the the best people, um, according to other people in that genre, and I listen, and I pretty much just do work study. Like a lot of people, like especially in hip hop, they be against me, like, "Oh, you bite, you bite." It's like, no, like you're doing homework because these people are literally giving you the rubric to succeed. But you're so yeah. prideful that like you don't even know how to like utilize the knowledge that they given to you in their music. Like that should be heavily coded. So I listen and I peep the code and I take that shit apart and reverse engineer it and rebuild yep. it in a way that only I could do that shit. Yep. I I I totally agree with you. Cause that that's kind of the issue I had with you, you see a lot of artists nowadays like there there are a couple artists in particular that are trying to bring back that 90s like uh nostalgia dance hall the da- not dance hall what's the word house 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 music back yeah. back uh into the music scene but what and I, i'm glad never left the music the scene huh i said that shit never left the music scene right but bring it back onto the radio and yeah. what they're doing, what I think that they're doing, what what I, I can tell that you've done is they're not understanding the mechanics of what they're trying to create. Uh, and so like they're 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 like producing something, but it's all derivative and it's not really pushing forward the genre. They're just kind of taking a surface level understanding and like reproducing it as opposed to really breaking down the mechanics of, of the genre and using it to create something that's like pushing the genre forward. Yeah, I definitely understand that. And that sucks for house. I blame Drake to keep it a beat. <laughs> I listened to that album when I, was, um, when I was on my way to do a video shoot in LA. Like me and the homies listened to it. One of the homies, he didn't want to listen to it. But I was like, nah, bro, we... We have to immerse ourselves in this just so we can know where he fell short and be able to explain thoroughly to people right. why he fell short. Because if you if you are, are unable to do that, you just sound like a hating ass nigga. And it's just yeah. like, don't nobody yeah. just really want to be a hating ass nigga or like a hater out here. So it's just like, we listened to it and it was just like, this would be good if he did this or if the producer did that or if he went with this or if the engineer did that. And I feel like he, he dropped some some draft like rough draft type shit because yeah. that shit wasn't even it was it was like somebody um, listened to half of a Frankie Knuckles album and half <laughs> of a Crystal Waters album and was just like I I know how to do this and then exactly. went ahead and like tried to make a house album using nothing but presets and whatever program that they yep. use it and it just yeah. it missed the mark yo. And Mr. Yeah. Mark, and it's just like Drake didn't even really. I, I feel like he didn't really do his homework, and it's fucked up because Drake usually do his homework. That's why the right. shit was so surprising to me. Like that nigga will find a genre, 
do the homework, go to the country of origin, like open up a studio in the country of origin <laughs> and then do a whole album and get the support of the people. You know what I mean? But he didn't do that shit with this. And I was just like, the whole time I was just like, how come he didn't contact like Katronada? How come he didn't reach out to Tech Loon? How yeah. come he didn't reach out to like all the people that are like known for house, like Lakim, like all of those dudes. It's just like, bro, he could have reached out to Tori Ma or Chaz, at least Chaz for Tori Ma. He could have at least reached out to bro to like just get that knowledge and like really do it. But I feel like that shit was a throwaway to keep it a bean. Yeah. I feel like that was like his, his little last thing. But yeah, a lot of people are trying to get in the house and bring that shit back to light. And I've heard some really good shit from some people that have been doing this shit for a long time and they finally get to get their shine. And I've heard some really bad shit from some people who decided to like hop on the bandwagon and play yeah. follow the leader just because they thought like they was gonna get somewhere. But it's just like, with a, especially with a genre like house, it takes a lot of nuance and you have to yeah. deconstruct it fully and put it back together. And you gotta like really, really go back to the origins of that shit. You got to go back to New York. You got to go back to Chicago. You got to go to Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. Even like some 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 spaces in, in the UK as far as like newer electronic music, like drum and bass, two-step garage, um, Jersey for the Jersey club scene, right. like Baltimore for the Baltimore club shit. Like you have to go and examine all of those places and find out what makes each style distinct from one another in order to like really, really be able to create with that. Cause them, them house fans, they don't play. They're right. Not playing. I mean, they'll, yeah. they'll pack your shit up. No, I mean, and, and I think one of the problems to me with the Drake album was that Drake never fully unleashed himself in it. In a way it was, it was very, if you, as a listener, it sounded like a very fragile world from the beginning. Right. Yeah. But like when you put on uh track seven on metropolis when you put on boa you yeah. are full on share believe like fuck it you know if i'm yeah. in this i'm going all the fucking way why wouldn't i yeah yo and for that track i made it and i named um korean pop star uh this woman by the name of boa and um she, I, I witnessed her watching the International Channel when I was like 12 or whatever, and she had this song called um, My Name, which was the first song I ever heard by her. And like, it's like classic, like 2000s, like pop, really, really like focused on like dancing and like fierceness. And it's kind of just like her just being like, yo, this is me. Here's what I'm here to do. Like, don't ever think you could play with me because I ain't gonna play with you. I think um, she had that shit and Girls on Top, which was like two pop smash hits in Korea in like early 2000s. And I wanted to make like a homage to like her and like how she affected my life and what she exposed me to as far as like sonically. And for that shit, I couldn't have step. And me being like a Midwesterner by heart, um, by way of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it's like I grew up where my my mom, she'd have parties in the living room and all you hear is time for the percolator. You hear um, Chicago juke music. You hear all types of shit like that just going on in the living room. And they be in that bitch cutting a rug. And I felt like 
I had to kind of just pay proper homage to that. So it's just like, I didn't slack on the drums. I didn't slack on the bass line. I probably did uh, a month of extra research while producing that song and like collecting the sounds just to make sure everything sounded right. I don't even really just be singing an auto-tune, but I had to for that shit because it was just like, it was the, yeah, yeah. It was the perfect way to bridge the shit. It's kind of just like you go in the club, you're having a good time, you're enjoying yourself. A lot of people stop there, but I can't stop there. It's just like, yeah, you're enjoying yourself. You're getting drinks, you feel great. Um, it was like at the, towards the end of like the lockdown from the pandemic, because to be real, we still in a pandemic, you see the mask. But the, the end of the lockdown, so I was just like, we outside. It's a celebratory thing. And then the middle part hits. You hear that bass drop. Everything else cuts off. Don't keep me waiting for you. That's when you see a shorty in the spot and you got eyes on her and she got eyes on you. And it's just like the perfect amalgamation of like that feeling. It's just like we lit at first. I see you. You see me. Now it's time to like really get down with the get down. And it's a different dance, a different pocket, so on and so forth. So, nah, I, I couldn't afford to have step with that. I seen, I seen what they did to Drake. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, y'all ain't gonna do yeah. me like that. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, to think about that, K optimization, like a month of research for the sounds to go to a song that's under two minutes. Like, that's that's optimization. That's making sure that every second on your album sounds the way you want. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think every genre, there, there's like a, like every genre has an algorithm, you know what I mean? Uh, and this, I'm, I got this idea from Childish, Charles Gambino had an article a couple of years ago where he talked about like, uh, they were, they were interviewing him, he's like, and I think the interview was like, yo, how do you, how are you able to do all of these different things? And he's like, well, I just learn the algorithm and then I can just once you learn the algorithm you're able to produce in it yep and so I think uh you know once once you're able to understand the genre's algorithm and understand okay this is how the mechanics of this of this genre functions you're able to play with those rules and create in in that genre but you got to do your work and you got to research and you got to un- truly understand the algorithm on a deeper than surface level. Oh, yeah. Yep. With it, yeah. The, uh, yeah. One of the things that is really beautiful about Metropolis is the details. The mm. details. Let's get into some nerdy detail shit. <laughs> because my nerdy music friends are nuts for the beat switches in this album. Yeah. <laughs> are insane. I have I have a favorite beat switch. I have crowned a favorite beat switch. Um, oh yeah, which, which is it? It's track 10 dance hall. It's the beat switch for G Slab. When G Slab yeah. comes in and the horns get big, and G Slab comes in with just so much uh, sauce, it's just, this couldn't be a more Tennessee moment. This is so great. Uh, yes, sir. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. So, 
Yeah. I love it. And, and so there's a lot of beat switches in here that are truly beautiful. The other thing, Kay, there's a lot of attention given to these hooks, right? Great hooks, right? Marvel at yeah. me, Feige now. But if you listen to the Marvel at me, Kevin Feige now, you are doubling your own vocals and you are like doo-wop singing behind yourself to an impressive degree. Is that you? Um, so that's a combination of me and um, my friend Aaron TM. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I can't remember who Aaron used to work with, but he was a part of, I think it's like Base Camp or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, so I won't even say anything about that. But um, no, like Aaron, he's been in music for a really, really long time. And uh, he's been a really, really good friend of mine for for a couple of years. So like uh, we were just hanging out one day and he came over and uh, I was just like, bro, I'm, work I'm working on this track. You want to do some background vocals? Because I've, I've already like just done hella work with him. So I was like, hey, bro, like hop on this shit and like give me some BGVs, bro. And I gave <laughs> him the idea. Uh, of what I was trying to go for and he ended up killing that shit and we both layered that bitch together and um yeah because like when I heard the the beat um well when I when I finished making the beat and like when I heard the sample to be real I was just like oh this is what I could do with this and um it kind of reminded me of um that one Lauren Hill song Oh, so it's shit. like, guys, you know, you better watch out that thing. thing. And um, it reminded me of that, but in a different key. And I was just like, yo, I can pay homage to Lauren Hill. I could pay homage to Doo-Wop. And I can, like, just really show niggas that, like, no, I can do the hip-hop, like, 90s backward hat wearing shit if I wanted to. I just don't really, like, I can do that and not only do that, but innovate it, add to it. You know what I mean? Update it. Um, like, if I wanted to for a whole album, but it's just like, I'm more than that and I don't want people to put me in a box. So I ended up getting um, Aaron to do the, um, to, like, help me layer the doo-wops on that shit. And it was just a blast, yo. And the Kevin Feige line is probably my favorite line. Shout out to Kevin Feige. He saved Marvel. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but like, nah, no, bro, he definitely, he definitely put the team on his back. Yeah, no, he did, he did. Um, and shout out to Joe Casada who saved them on the comic book. Um, yeah, buddy. Uh, so, but yes, I would say, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is, Kay, I've been talking to people about. It. I think songs, a lot of times, songs need apex points, right? They need. Uh -huh off right and like yeah. the combination of the kevin feige line and the doo-wop background singing that's that climax point right that that hits you there um, yeah and i think that's really important um, to, to to give that to the listener yeah i mean i think uh i think the great artists like i think all art is, is pretty much uh tension you know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, in all forms. Uh, so being able to understand tension and being able to, uh, you know, play around with tension, release and tension is an, is an important skill in, yep. in, in any form of art. Oh, yeah. It's, 
it's about um freedom and restraint you know mm-hmm. like right. that's pretty much the basic building blocks around um around jazz which is a, a genre that inspires damn near everything that i do because it's just such an expansive genre and there's this genre that i watched on youtube called the cry of jazz um and i'm pretty sure it's still there if you just type in like the cry of jazz documentary on youtube um it, it pretty much goes into the philosophy behind that and explains like the um dichotomy between freedom restraint and the joy and suffering of like in, uh, black people in the United States and how we are able to like go between both of those in order to create something using the spirit of jazz. And I took that shit to heart and applied that shit to a lot of the music that I make. So like, it's cool to like you peep that shit because that's important in music. I feel like not enough, not enough people, especially in hip hop, not enough people like do that nowadays. It's usually just like one stagnant beat forever. Yeah. And people just, they, they create a vibe and they just ride the vibe, but they don't elevate it. They don't change it. They don't, there's no like timbre in that bitch. It's just like, this is going to be one static thing ever. You're having a good time forever. That's all you get to do is have a good time. And I'm like, I feel that. I fuck with that. But what if I'm not having a good time? <laughs> right, right. Uh- you know what I mean? What if I want to sit down right. somewhere, bro? I can't dance for like five hours straight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, to the tension point, Kay, like there's prestige television shows that I've stopped watching because I'm like, I can't live in endless tension. You're never paying this off. Like, I can't live in this. I've, I've got to get my brain right. And there's shows I've stopped watching because I didn't get anything. Enjoy a meal from Oakland. Yeah. Um, so you gotta have that balance. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's gotta be. You said you you've got there's gotta be a build up and then a payoff. If if the, if the payoff doesn't come, or the payoff doesn't come at the right time, the whole the whole piece of art isn't at it at its optimal state yeah uh, so being able to recognize that moment or recognizing where where everything needs to be that that you know that takes a lot of of work and artistry yep no nah, facto it's just like working a job you mm-hmm. ain't gonna stay at a workplace unless you do get a payoff <laughs> yep. It's just yeah. like to go through all of this bullshit. It's just like, no, I need a payoff. You ain't gonna have me working at Denny's all times of the night, crackhead meth heads <laughs> coming up, trying to wash windows and shit and steal. And like, you know what I mean? It's just like, you're not gonna have me out there and then not give me a payoff at the end of the week. So I feel like music is kind of the same way. Because to be real, it's like musicians, we pay the fans more than anything. It's just like, we pay y'all in music for listening to us and not even listening to us for having enough trust in us to go out on a limb and experience what we have to offer because like there's a lot of people out here that make music but they don't have shit to say and it's a lot of people that like want to have a platform but they don't have a message and it's just like you don't gotta have a positive message this is like you could have like 
a neutral message or you can have like a fucked up message but it's like as long as you have like a message and a method to the madness it's just like you should be good and yeah like we yeah we definitely do pay y'all and it'd be fucked up for us to be stingy and not pay y'all and like the payoff of like the sound or like a message or giving y'all a feeling or something to go home with something to clean the house to something to drive home in so on and so forth that's important yeah i mean it, it, I, what i wanted to ask you about was that stretch from 11 to 14 right yeah so, deep interlude the out outreadered uh guts versus griffith unk speaks it that is i, I i've been calling that the blade runner section in my mind yeah that that is like where this slows down where it slows down a bit and you're just like, oh shit, we're you know, and it gets a little, a little more, I don't know, science fictiony to make sense. Yeah, that and um, I, I like to call it the the more introspective parts of my album, mm. the more uh, musical parts, and um, I do it with um with anything I produce, like even with the Phillions, it's like the first part was like a fun ride, but like you fuck around and get the Space Ghost and yeah, it's just like everything, it just kind of just like sets you down. And then I usually try to end it on an energetic note. Um, but with okay. Metropolis, it's like, yeah, I wanted like the first few songs to just be like just banger after banger after banger. And then like the middle part, kind of just like sets you down the um on treaded or however the fuck you pronounce it i know it means like the feeling of being alone while surrounded by people which was why i took the excerpt from you you know the commercial you know the commercial um because like after hearing that shit for a long time it's just like damn bitch am i alone <laughs> and it's like I get it like you're asking me this because you're trying to sell me something and a lot of people that like frequent sites like that are indeed lonely people and it felt so weird to me because it's just like that whole industry of like porn or whatever it literally like finds the the insecurity in you and builds off of that to keep you relying on that shit which was why I felt the need to like put that in a song and like chop it up and have it bouncing from from ear to ear because that's how that shit felt to me while hearing it um but at the same time it's just like having that thought is is kind of profound as fuck you know it's just like yeah i am alone so what you know it's just like what are you gonna do about it what can we do about it what can any individual do about it except for like keep pushing through it which is why i like also added like a little a little train sample in there too um that i had from like whenever i was in new york and shit because that's kind of how i felt on a train it's just like i was surrounded by a shit ton of people but at the same time like i felt i never felt so isolated because niggas didn't really talk to each other on the train niggas didn't even really want to talk to each other associate with one another but yeah, you're, you're, you're sitting right next to somebody, you're occupying space with them. If that train go off the rails, everybody in that bitch, you got to die with, you know? And I kind of just wanted to 
to capture that between the vocal samples, between the train recording and between like the piano and Guts versus Griffin was um, a pretty vulnerable ass song too. Um, just dealing with like the, I feel like Guts versus Griffin was like the, um, the answer to Are You Alone? Like that song was just like, yeah, bitch, I am. And I'm trying to figure this shit out. And I don't know if I'll ever not be alone. That is, it, it makes, it sounds more important every time I listen to it. Um, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite tracks on the whole album is Gus versus Griffin. Like, I put so much into that shit. Like, that that song is pretty much an amalgamation of all of my musical, um, my musical talent just just balled up into one thing. Like, yeah, that's that's my shit forever. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. And by the way, Unk Speaks made me miss living in the South a little bit. Um, because it was like, that. there's that moment where he says, like, I don't want to, you won't turn me into a grain of salt. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was just like, I miss being in the South where everyone you meet has this private expression they use that no one else uses that blows your mind. <laughs> Oh yeah, yo, we got we got a million of those, and nah, yo, yeah, that's 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 my uncle, man, Uncle D, and um, he usually will call me just to like check in on me and bullshit, and like his phone conversations is just so hilarious, and like he he's such a he's such an interesting dude, like he he traveled all over the world when he was in the military, um, then after that, like he still kept traveling all around the U.S. Like, he was a, a very talented, like, dancer. Like, knew music like nobody else. Like, wasn't a musician or anything, but he just knew music. He knew what sounded good. Like, he'd come down and he'd have, like, little little CDs or, or my dad would make him, like, little tapes to listen to and, like, they trade tapes and shit. Like, that that's a buffer. Like, if my uncle don't like some shit that I make, I erase it and redo that shit because he gonna he gonna keep it a buck with me regardless. But and also like one of the loudest dudes I know, like that laugh is legendary. And I felt like nah, bro, the world needs to hear this nigga laugh, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Because it's yeah. the uncle laugh, yo. It's it's the uncle laugh. Like like he laughed with his whole mouth. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, That's real. It's uh yeah. I mean it was felt like a necessary thing uh how did you feel about all that that section okay yeah I, I mean i thought it was from a structural standpoint it was very fascinating because usually the section uh you know i'm thinking 11 to 14 that would probably be typically on like a typical album that would probably be like five through eight uh, so to have it, you know, to go through one through 10 and then, you know, like the transition from dance hall, the deep to out, out trended, trended. I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know how to pronounce that shit either. <laughs> give me a guide. And 
it, it was it was just it was just fascinating because I I never I've never heard an album that has made that design choice. You know what I mean? Like to slow it down. You know, like start so up tempo for the first like ten songs. So ten out of sixteen, ten divided by sixteen, five, five eighths. So that's you're we're more than halfway through the album at this point, and we slow it and we're slowing it down. Uh, and that was just like very interesting. So I, I, I was, I was kind of, I was interested about what was, you know, like the logic behind that. Like, what were you trying to, like, uh, communicate with that, with that slowing down at that point? Oh man, easy. So I'm by heart and by nature a writer. I love mm -hmm. books. I love reading books. And one of the things that I learned in English class, like super duper early, super duper rudimentary. And even like when it comes to film is like, um, it's like you start with the plot, you build the world and then you have the, the main issue or the main conflict. And then with the conflict, you have the rising action. And then after the rising action, you have the pinnacle the peak, the, the point to where it's just like, all right, we're in here, here is the, the, the conflict and the, the, um, the um, narrator or the protagonist, they come face to face at the peak. And then after you have the falling action mm -hmm. and then like everything settles down. So that's, that's I kind of take the same approach to whenever um, I'm creating albums, just to give like, some movement to it because like I've heard some albums that start off like really really slow and then like do a steady crescendo up but I don't know I don't really like starting off slow and and going up and especially like since I made this for a road trip so it's just like anybody that's ever took a long ass drive you know like the first the first couple hours be crucial right it's yep. just like yep. you yeah, anything can go wrong. You got to stay up. You got to be there. But then you arrive to the place. And when you arrive to the place, it's just like, ah, oh, okay. Or like, even when you get to like that, that midway mark and you see like destination, like 10 miles away. And you're just like, all right, cool. I'm going hundred miles an hour. I should be there in like X amount of time. I get to relax now. I get to put on the cruise control and kind of just let like the car guide me i get to like examine the scenery um i might fuck around and drive through the downtown of the city where um when i'm going to my destination and i feel like i wanted my album to kind of just be on some road trip type shit to where it's just like at the beginning it's just like you pumped up you gas you can't wait to be there towards the middle it's just like all right nigga and then at the end it's just like okay this is this is home finally i'm finally here i get to relax um i get to chill the fuck out so that's that's pretty much what i designed this album for and it's like being in the city too when you first get to a new big ass city shit be lit as fuck for the first week you there <laughs> you're right you're right <laughs> and then after that shit just get boring it gets somber. Right. Or, it gets somber. or not even boring but like you start to settle in and you start to get used to um the, the different things that are going on around you there. So it like it isn't new, it isn't bright. Uh some the, people the reality it. of the, the city, the situation is starting to come in, creep in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you might not have the same energy. 
Mm. That's beautiful. That is. Hey, man, art imitates life. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad that you are so attentive to the flow of mood and tempo. Uh, and, And it's really because you are the master of the world, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Like, was just me, 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 me. Like, I made every beat, played every instrument on that bitch. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that I was thinking about that because you did, with, with the Traveling Circus, you did, you did that yourself. Metropolis. Yeah, yeah. Every song except for Holy Mountain. My homie DTL produced Holy Mountain, but every other song was pretty much me. Uh, and it, but imagine everything. Was how weird was that to step away and let someone else like take the reins, even though it was La Ranch who was really important. It was the weirdest shit ever, bro. <laughs> I ain't gonna hold you. I ain't gonna hold you. I was pretty apprehensive about um yeah, I was pretty apprehensive about doing it. But I knew it would kind of get me out of my comfort zone. And, like, it'd be, you know, just cool to work with the person who, like, helped get you in with the label in the first place. Because, mm-hmm. like, he he ended up finding out about me through a mutual friend of ours. So it was just, like, kind of just, like, hell yeah. I'm going to pay this shit forward because, like, you fuck with me super tough. And rapping over your beats is the very, very least I can do. It's like, yeah, it'll be extremely uncomfortable for me because I started making beats because I hated everybody else's beats that was around me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a challenge to get me to rap over anything that's in my shit because it's like I've learned these different styles of beats for myself, you know, and for like a random person to just like hit me up and be like, hey, yeah, like I, st- I, I still get random people in my email like, hey, bro, like I got production and I'll listen. Because that's what I wanted for me whenever I was a hungry producer and I wanted to produce for people bigger than me. I was just like, I wish they would just take some time and listen to my shit. So I'm like, I'm going to be the change I want to see. And I'll listen. And the shit will be cool, but it's like shit that I could do. But I could do that shit way better. And I'm just like, nah, bro. Like, I don't think I'm your market, fam. But like, best of luck. Um, But with Austin Austin or LaRange, like he did shit and like flip samples in a way that I would never really care or think to do them. And it was really, really interesting. And I was like, since I can't do what you do, how you do it, since I wouldn't be able to recreate your beat bar for bar. Yeah. I'll rap on your shit. I'll rap on your shit. And um, yeah, it was rough, but eventually I got used to it and, me and him talked on the phone a lot and he was kind of just like, hey, bro, like, just have fun. Like, don't worry. Like, step outside of your comfort zone. This is just something to just be enjoyable for all parties involved. And I was just like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. And I got through with most of it uh, in about like a month, I think. And usually I'm a, it takes me a while to write. I'm like Jay Electronica slow when it comes to writing music. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, and it's, Lil Raj is brilliant. It's just that when you have total control of your world like that, giving yeah. up part of it is the worst. The, oh, the, yeah. You, right. just, 
you built a world where you didn't have to trust, right? You were like, I'm good. Uh, and now to to that to enter in, it was that must have been wild. Uh, yeah, because when I and I think Dan and I've talked about this, like when when there's like when a producer is producing for an artist, like exclusively on a project, what they're really saying is the producer saying is like this is my interpretation of your artistry. Like, this is how I hear you. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is what I think that you would sound like your artist as an artist. This is what I think you as an artist would sound great. on. So, mm -hmm. you know, hearing and respecting someone else's interpretation, another person's interpretation of your artistry. I mean, that can be a little bit uh, nerve wracking, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was, I, I, you know, I, I, you, I thought you did, you did pull it off, uh, particularly for someone. So you've never had anyone else like produce for you. You produced all of your own stuff from, yeah. from the game. Um, actually, no. For my first album, like ever, ever, and mm -hmm. this is yeah, uh, Scatterbrain. I did that shit when I was, I want to say like nineteen or some shit. And for Scatterbrain, um, yeah, I, I I just started learning how to really, really produce for myself. And this was like 20, 2011, 2012, 2013 type shit. And um, I was still trying to figure it out. I had like Logic, um, a microphone, and I knew a bunch of like producers on SoundCloud. And a lot of them like pretty much um, let me use their beats for my first project. So mm -hmm. um, let's see who produced on that. Duke Nukem, uh, this dude from Victoria, Canada, um, Rhythm or Howie Wonder, he goes by now. Um, he's also from uh, from Canada as well. And um, who else? Thin Little Rabbits. Uh yeah, Tim Little Rabbits and like a bunch of other people um, ended up like helping me do uh, Scatterbrain. And then after that, the very next thing I did, and if you can even find it, it's called uh, Onari Transmissions. And it was me and a friend of mine who I watched come up and producing this dude named Beatbox Bandit. And it was like a collaboration tape between us released through um, my homie David Camp's uh, Bandcamp label called Lost Bard. It was, um, yeah, him and his partner. So for those two, yeah, like I I wasn't, cause I was producing, but I didn't like my beats enough to rap on them. I was just like, these are cool, but I couldn't see myself rapping on these. Like these are more like beats that are cool to listen to. But like, as far as rapping, it's just like, I don't know what the fuck I would talk about on them. And it wasn't until, um, I'll probably say 2014, 2015. That's when I really started making shit that I wanted to rap over. Mm. So that three took you three, four years to get comfortable with your own production. Oh, yeah, yo. Like, I thought I was like, man, you don't even want to hear my first beats. Them shits was so <laughs> booty, bro. I ain't going to hold you. And like a lot of the misconception about being a producer is a lot of people think like, oh, all I got to do is just buy like, all of this crazy ass equipment or like get an MPC and I'm immediately going to turn into Dilla. No, you're not. 
you're not <laughs> right it's like stop stop buying all that expensive ass equipment because what'll happen is I, i've been to studios to where niggas had all the most craziest illest equipment and then when you when you try to hear like the product of that it's just hot garbage and it's just like you just made expensive hot garbage to where <laughs> it's like you could have just bought like a shitty laptop computer and like a really, really small MPK and like downloaded some shit like Splicer or like got bought a drum pack from somebody and like just learned from the ground up. This is like, now you done wasted all this money. <laughs> you don't want to feel yeah. like you wasted all this money. So you invite niggas like me to come to your studio. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, there's been plenty of that. So yeah, it, it, it's a long process and anybody who wants to get into producing and production, like trust the process and like stay in it and don't release anything for at least six years. That's a good call. Oof, great advice. Yeah, because it's some shit that I dropped when um, like even on SoundCloud, I'm just like, ooh, that I shouldn't have did that. <laughs> well, but you think about like, Think about all these stand-up comedians that are like big name stand-up comedians. We never even hear their name until they're 10 years in. Yeah, because they, they spent 10 years getting booed, <laughs> getting getting heckled, like all of that shit. Yep. And like any any real comedian has probably been booed at least once. Same thing with every good musician. I was just talking to uh, my homie T Watt about this shit on Twitter uh, yesterday. We were talking about um, how, like, in these clubhouse rooms, like, you share your beat. And um, a lot of times, it's just, like, if your shit was buns, like, somebody would tell you and let you know, like, hey, bro, that shit did not slap under any circumstances. Like, you should have kept that shit where it was. Yeah. <laughs> Type shit. And it's just, like, to be honest, you need that. Because the music industry is a really cutthroat industry. And if you don't have people around you to like let you know like hey bro this shit ain't it like you'll be pretty much just trapped and making mediocre shit mm-hmm. and yeah you might get somewhere doing that but at the end of the day like you don't want to be celebrated for mediocrity absolutely like that ain't what anybody get into no. any of these industries for like nobody wants to be celebrated for mediocrity and um, yeah. I feel like if you don't want that, then nah, you got to have people be like, hey, bro, that beat was ass. Like, turn up the drums or like, hey, bro, space out your 808s or like, bro, tune them 808s. <laughs> who, so aside from your uncle, who are some of the people who's like, if you have an idea, like a musical idea, you bounce it off of them. Whose musical opinions do you respect and go to for like feedback on your work? Um, so usually, so I usually consult, like more than anything, I, I'll consult my homie Jordan Webb, um, because that's, that's, that's my dog and one of like, yeah, like that nigga, he can write three songs in like three minutes. And if you don't like them, he'll write three more in two minutes. Like he, he just has that type of work ethic and drive. Um, so I usually just run shit by him. And like that, that, that nigga's my trustee. So if I ever die, he has all my unreleased shit. And like he'll, he'll know exactly what to do with it. Cause after I finish making something, I'll send that shit to him usually. 
Um, another another homie of mine who I respect their musical opinion is uh, my homie Spellworks. Like amazing producer, um, amazing beat maker, all of that shit. And um, usually like with him, it's just like, we'll we'll talk about some shit or like if, if I have some shit to run by him, I'll be like, hey bro, like, what do you think of this? And that's like, as far as like with beats and shit, it's like, hey bro, like what do you, what do you think of this? This shit, this shit cool? And um, who else do I run shit by? Um, I usually run shit by my homie, my homie Dante Bard. I just talked to him earlier today. He has some encouraging words for me. Um, and he doesn't make music, but he's he's a music connoisseur, um, especially like with hip hop. He has a lot of knowledge. He's a part of like he's a part of like that group from like the nineties who really, really dug and researched and got into the lore of an artist. Like, I wish this nigga could be a blogger, like with the way that like, he just dissects music. Um, so I, I usually love to just run shit by him. But other than that, like, yeah, not really. Cause like, and, and creating art at the level that I do, I've been learning to trust myself more than anything. Yes. Yeah. That's, like, that's what I was going to say is because you are so, no one's doing things like you're doing them. And mm-hmm. put it flat out. So there must be a lot of people who are like, I don't know about that. Or I don't know if that could make sense. And it takes a lot to just be like, nope, I'm actually just ahead of y'all. Oh, yeah. I'm the king of that. but like for instance i was on a clubhouse room and um i ended up showing uh previewing kane and abel and bro like ended up kicking me off stage and was like "Mm, that sounds too much like drake and i was just like because i was off stage i didn't get the chance to say this to him but in my head i was like nigga suck my dick bro like drake sound like us that whole little flow that he did, that shit comes from Memphis. Like yeah. Memphis, Tennessee. And as a Nashvilleian, it's just like, that is our shit. It's like, the only reason why you compare me to Drake is because you don't have a thorough musical understanding and you ain't do your homework. You know what I mean? Uh, so like with that, I definitely trusted myself and released that shit anyway. Cause he's like, yeah, bro, I, I wouldn't, like he talked to me after he kicked me off the stage. He's like, yeah, man, I wouldn't really, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know about all that. Like I wouldn't release that. I was like, bitch, I'm still gonna release it anyway. <laughs> what? Right? why because it's like it's me <laughs> it's like a lot of you niggas don't play multiple instruments and shit so it's like I'll, I'll take your opinion but it's just like I'll take that shit always with a grain of salt and I'll respect your opinion but at the same time at the end of the day I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I wanna do because mm. I just trust myself and I trust my upbringing and I trust my, my, my process and technique that much same thing with the deep interlude i showed the deep interlude to this this lady who worked at iheart um radio when i was at like a soho house trip one day and um yeah she flat out told me she was like yeah like i don't really like i like like at the end but like i don't really like like the beginning or understand the beginning and i was just like that's because you ain't been doing no musical homework it's just like how do you work in music but you don't have any knowledge of of musicality? You don't understand like um, very subtle transitions because even with Deep, Deep is an ill-ass song and I'll tell you why. Yep. Because on Deep, 
I repeated. Let me make sure this ain't my damn flight. All right, work. Anyway, um, so with the deep interlude, it's like I repeat the same thing over and over again. But each time the music, each time I make like a pass of like X amount of measures, the track itself changes. I add more things. So it's just like, yeah, the same thing is being repeated because that's the overall message of the song. But the music changes, which is like no matter how much things change, things tend to say the same. That's like the message. And, and eventually, like, it goes up to really big, grandiose thing. And the crazy part is with Deep, I had a lot more shit um, planned on the end of that. But I off at that point because I was like, nah, that's that's perfect. Like, give people just enough to, like, have them right up on that high and then just drop them. But it's like when you drop them, they think they're going to fall. But I took you up so high. Nigga, we in space. You just going to float around. <laughs> For the rest of the album, you floating. <laughs> it's oh, like, man. then you got Ring Off. Um, You got Cruising USA. Like the rest of the, that, that, that is floaty music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and when you're doing that stuff, if you know that your talents are that diverse and that uh, that important, you kind of have to have the trust in yourself that Prince had in what he did, right? Hell yeah. People shot on Prince, bro. They shot on him for so long. They was just like, like you made it, like they told this label, they was like, bro, you made a mistake signing him. Like even like in Purple Rain, like I could tell like, Purple Rain was literally like a view in the prince's mind. One part that stuck out was when a club promoter was just like, nobody understands your music but you, and that shit don't rock with the rest of us. And I was just like, niggas have told me that shit too. Right? I mean, when Prince was opening for the Rolling Stones, he was giving interviews, talking shit about him, and saying that he was trying to be like Stevie. Yeah. Yeah, and to be real, I feel like if Stevie didn't go blind, people because Stevie had a bunch of weird shit. Yep, like a bunch of like weird out of the box shit, and people just ate that shit up. Yeah, plus I feel like Stevie can really see, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> uh, bro, I, I'm telling you, bro, I feel like that nigga can really see. He can see something. <laughs> I love that. I That's love the that. Rumor, yeah. I love that. I would say, but I say this as a fellow person who can't see shit. Like, <laughs> this is on right now. Them hoes would be like that thick. Like, I'm, I'm really like, I remember one time I was at the beach and I lost my contact lens. I ain't never panicked so hard because I only had one in because my other eye gets really, really irritated sometimes. So I had to get that shit a break. And I was just like, bro, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't find my way to the car. I'm on my hands and knees, like in this car, trying to look for, like trying to look for this contact lens, and it's just like, bro, this is this shit is a fucking nightmare. So, like, as a fellow person who has really, really, really bad vision, to the point to where it's debilitating, nah, bro, fuck that. Stevie can see. <laughs> Plus, Quincy Jones told me Stevie can see. He said that um, after some show or some shit they did, this nigga Stevie like took the keys, hopped in the front seat adjusted the mirrors and put his seatbelt on and Quincy looked at him and was just like hey bro what are you doing 
And this nigga Stevie just started laughing and hopped out the car. I was like, nah, bro. Amazing. I'm here for all of it. Um, thank you for being with us. We're going to do a little recommendation corner where we recommend dope music. Uh, Hell yeah. So I'm going to go, first of all, with a friend of the Demir Blade, Jordan Webb has uh, an EP, Tessera. Yeah. Five songs. It's really fun. Uh, Jordan Webb, an integral part of the Namir Blade experience. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sleeping on his couch in LA right now. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. And Kay, you're going to love. You're gonna love the name of the new Sudan Archives album. Have you seen this? No. What's the name? Natural Brown Prom Queen. <laughs> I like that. It's great. <laughs> the cover's great. She she's like, I love artists that are like dominantly dope on an instrument, and they compose their shit outside out of that. Mm-hmm. She's a killer violinist. Oh wow! Made oh yeah, kind of R and B pop, like out of her skill with the violence, really dope. And this looks like the full on, you know, pop album. Song titles like "Selfish Soul," "Sierra," "NBPQ Topless." You know, she's going for it. I'm here for it. I love seeing people just go nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. The uh, Demir, what are you listening to? You said what? What are you listening to? Um, let's see. What have I been listening to? Um, I've been listening to a bunch of Japanese music. I ain't gonna hold you. Let me go to my Spotify and see what the oh. shit I've been on. Um, let's see, let's see. We're listening to a bunch of uh, Japanese shoegaze. So let me see if I can find some shit that I was on. What is, now, what is it about Japanese music that's attracting you? Um, man, just like the attentiveness they have to, like, musicality. Like, they give me and their music industry, what's just vastly missing from the U.S. music industry. This is like the, the, the Japanese people, they care, especially when it comes to R&B, when it comes oh, to yeah. funk, when it comes to jazz, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to hip hop, and when it comes to like their rock genres. So one album I've been listening to a lot of, I keep coming back, is um, by this artist named Hyde. Now, Hyde started off with this. How do you spell that? H Y D E. Okay, Hyde. Yeah, he started off in this band called Lark NCL. Um, and if you watch anime, they did a lot of shit for Full Metal Alchemist. Um, yeah, they did. I think the first opening thing, nope, I think the second opening theme for Full Metal Alchemist they did. But um, Hyde has this album. And, like, their albums are dope, too. Like, really, really, like, yeah, just ill-ass, like, experimental, like, not too experimental, 
but I'll say it's not it's not like classic American rock. It's like classic Japanese rock, which is heavily like guitar focused, jazz focused, um, a little bit of like R and B in that bitch, um, but widely and vastly orchestral. So he has this song called um, Roentgen, R-O-E-N-T-G-E-N. And it's one of the sickest albums by this nigga. That's a great one. That and like, you said what? That's a great pick. Yeah, yo. The album is the flyest. Like, have you listened to that shit before? You familiar? No, no. Oh, word, word. So check this out. Uh, I, all right. So I only listen to that album for the most part in the wintertime because it's perfect. Like if it's snow outside season, it's perfect for that shit. But to be real, you can listen to that bitch anytime and feel something. Like it's really orchestral. It's really big. It sounds grand. And a lot of that album helped me do Metropolis. Ooh. We were talking about the, the seasonal musicality, like uh, on the drive over to where we are, me and my wife. I was saying, like, I have a friend who only listens to UGK in the summer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, you can't listen to UGK. Summertime shit, though. Like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, you can, but it's like, but like, summer is like prime UGK season. It's like, if you're going to listen to UGK, if you don't listen to them any, any, other, any other part of the year, it's just like summer like and i say that for any like southern artists from like texas from from tennessee from alabama from florida from atlanta it's just like we do summertime music because a lot of that time that's when we be outside barbecuing yep. that's when we find somebody crib who got a pool and we slide over there to like loiter like that's that's when we make the most memories in the south we don't really do yeah, we don't really do too much in the winter time, but our time yep. to shine. So that should make sense. But I mean, you can really listen to UGK at any time. That's true. No, we, I put K. I put I put one day by UGK on at a cookout, a Southern cookout. Yeah, like three times. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Got to do it. Um, yes, sir. Ski. Kay, I don't know if you've got any recommendations. Do you have any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, so I, I started, I actually have a recommendation this week. So I started reading uh, the Jay Dilla book, Dilla Time. Oh, Dan Charles. And yes, and that, and they mentioned uh, a single that was on Lab Cabin, California Ooh, from the far side. Uh, so I've oh. just been listening, recently I've just been listening to that album. And it's one of, <laughs> You know, I, I think it's one of the, you know, the most underrated hip-hop albums it really we, is. we've ever had. Oh. So that would be my recommendation. To right anyone I mean, who hasn't heard that. I spent so many years maligned because that was my favorite uh, Farside album. Because the first one, Bizarre to Ride or whatever, is was considered the classic, right? Mm -hmm. But I always thought Lab Cabin was better, and I was like all alone. But the internet has brought me together with people who agree with me. Uh, mm. The other thing you everybody should check out there's a there's a mini series of podcasts 
about Black Sabbath that is being done by Gang PTP and Alaska Adams. Mm. Uh, and they've got all kinds of cool guests. Fatboy Sharif was on there. Uh, you know, E from Next Movement. Uh, it's been really cool to hear hip hop people talk about Black Sabbath. Mm. Hear the hip hop perspective on what makes Black Sabbath so cool and so fresh versus some of those other bands that just, just cross over like that. Um, so that I would recommend that highly. Um, all the episodes are really good. Yep. Black uh, Sabbath is tough. Oof. Yeah. yeah, like they literally like <laughs> changed the sound of metal music very with one song. <laughs> they they darkened that shit up so fast, bro. Like I fuck yeah. with Black Sabbath super tough. Like, like the wizard came out and everybody just dropped what they were doing and was like, "Fuck it, all right, new shit." <laughs> oh yeah, them and like um was it? It wasn't um Megadeth. It was Norma Jean because didn't. I think one of the members from Norma Jean ended up going to Meta Megadeth here. Or no, one of the members of Megadeth ended up going to Norma Jean. Thank you, man. And like his whole thing was just like Megadeth kicked me out. So I'm gonna just form this other band and we're gonna kick Megadeth's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was kind the of hardest thing. shit to be. Uh, I watched like I a behind the, a VH1 though. behind the music type shit. And um I want to say it was, no, no, maybe it was Metallica and Metal uh, and Megadeth. It was one of them damn bands. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, and I I love that. I love. I want more podcasts where hip hop people are talking about other shit that inspires them. I think that's really cool. Um, Hell yeah, because we 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 more than just just rapidy rap dudes. Like we we have lives and experiences that extend. <laughs> far beyond hip-hop and that's what makes the genre so special because we we're allowed to be able to expand everywhere to different music genres to different places and like krs1 said it best oh no not at all yeah krs1 uh said it best he was just like if you exist and you move through this shit you are a part of hip-hop and being the embodiment of hip-hop everything you do is considered hip hop. Yeah. Because it's just that type of thing. So it's just like, mm. if I wanted to like become a gymnast right now, gymnastics is hip hop now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like Adidas gonna have like, you know what I mean? Gymnast clothes or like Air Force Ones are gonna be the official backflip shoe. You know what I mean? Because like that's just, that's just how our genre works. And I feel like no other genre really works like that. They all have like their their uh their set aesthetic. Oh, you think it's fast as hell at McDonald's? <laughs> no, but uh, thank thank you for being here, Demir. I just wanted to say that I think there's a like a ribbon of energy and electricity that runs through your music that you seem to ride. Yeah, doing. I ain't got no choice. I'm trying to like see how far that should take me because I'm tired of being broke, boy. I'll tell you that right now. And I want to go to the BET Awards with all my niggas dressed like Team Rocket and get kicked out for trying to steal somebody's award. Like, that's going to be a thing. Watch out for it. I'm telling you. 
Realist. I it might give me it might give me blackball, but like that should have be hilarious on Twitter for a whole day, bro. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. I appreciate it. Keep, keep me in the know when new shit pops, but man, I'm gonna be talking about this album all year. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, man. I can't wait to to do the next album. I'm gonna really fuck them up with the next shit. I don't know um, what I'm gonna do, but it's, it's it has to be more ridiculous than this shit. We'll see. We'll see. Brazilian soul. Brazilian soul. <laughs> I might fuck around and do that. Then my ass shit. Get into it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate you. How dare they? Catch your flight, man. I'll see you later. All right, man. Y'all be smooth. Appreciate y'all. Feel free to reach out anytime, yo. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'll be out here. Give me that. I need need a Namir Blade Metropolis hat. Bro, I'm I'm trying to get that shit worked out. I'm trying to get that shit worked out. And I did some designs, too. For some merch that's gonna be coming out, so be on the lookout for that. I just talked okay. to Melo about that shit when I was in his office eating pizza and shit. So yeah, get get ready for that because the designs are gonna be so cool. And I want to do like I want to do bucket hats. I want to do regular hats. I'll fuck around and do church hats. Okay. <laughs> right. Follow Namir Blade. Follow Namir Blade. Follow Melo Music Group. Follow the Iron Sheik. You know, get it all you done. Dig. Yes. All right. Peace, fellas. Peace. Don't keep me waiting for you. Practice my patience for sure. Why should I stay in stasis? With my condition for you.